Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to How to Survive with Daniel and Christine, the show that helps you learn how to survive the stuff that can kill you, like nuclear fallout or spider bites or collapsed buildings. And the stuff that just makes you wish you were dead. Oh, like yawning during sex or forgetting your bra or throwing up on a doctor. (laughs) Man, we should just play this song. Man, we should. (laughs) (laughs) Ground is shaking under our feet. Mountains on fire, flooding in the street. Can't breathe the air, can't fight the feeling. Goblin down, Xanax ain't the way to be dealing. Gotta do better than just getting high. We gotta stick together if we're gonna Hey, everybody. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. I'm Christine. And I'm Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Christine. You know what I want to say? Yeah. Real quick. Okay. To our listeners. Yeah. We love you guys. Adore you. And we so appreciate all your engagement and support. But what I'd like to ask you to do real quick, if you haven't already, is please push that button on your phone. That says push that button, push that button, hit that button, like, follow, subscribe, right. whatever the thing is on your podcast platform that that shows you're you're listening to the show every week or that you're downloading it every week. Or that would be awesome. You know what? It doesn't cost anything. No, no, no. It just costs the movement of your finger on a, to a button. Bing. And you know what? It helps us be able to keep making this podcast. Yes. At no cost to you. That's right. Totally free. And you're like, hey, guess what? I already did that. And you're like, what else could I do, Danielle and Christine, if you're asking yourself that question? You could, if you want, write us a review. Oh, that's a great idea. Write us a review. Tell us what you like specifically. That's always helpful. What do you you like? We love to hear it. I mean, I don't want to sound desperate. You don't sound desperate. I don't think so. I think I sound... You sound appropriately desperate. Yes. Yes. And interested. Yeah. And that's what we'd love you to do. We love hearing from you. Yes. You can email us podcast how to survive at gmail.com. Yeah. And one more thing I'm going to say. Okay. We have merch. We do have merch. We have fun, fun merch. So go to podhowtosurvive.com. Should we get to today's episode? Yes. We're going to talk about collapsing buildings. I couldn't be more excited. Hold on to something. We're talking about collapsing buildings i'm going to hold on to this table okay (laughs) here are the indicators of a collapse this is the warning shots of impending collapse will vary depending on the type of construction as the building is stressed walls may begin to separate from ceilings and from other walls so they're saying like before before it happens you might get some clues cracks will form at these junctions and cracks wider than your thumb which isn't that big no it depends on whose thumb it is i guess Indicate that things are getting desperate. 
there's a girl on sorry on Jeopardy right now. Yeah. I say girl because she's very young. She is named uh, Roach is her last name. Glad that's not her first name. No. Um, it's Matea Roach. And she has the tiniest hands you've ever seen. Like disproportionately tiny to the rest of her body. Yeah. And she uses them a lot. She's extremely... Um, does a lot of thumb work. Lots of hand work. When she says hi to the camera at the beginning, she unfurls her hand like a flag. <laughs> like every time we yeah. all do it at home together, like in unison. And she like will go, let's get out of that category and like squishes I it. I love like, it. Wipes it away. And she's very, very um, manneristic. Do you think if, if the crack is the size of her thumb, should I worry? Or No, I think if it's the... Right, exactly why I bring it up. Somewhere between... Matea Roach's thumb and like Andre the Giant's thumb. Okay. You should worry. So closer to Andre. Right. Get out of the building. Right. I'm look now I'm looking at the cracks. I'm looking to see if we have any thumb cracks. I think du- we're okay. Dust hanging in the air or creaking and groaning that suddenly seems amplified also matter. One of the final and most eerie I would think would be eeriest indicators in a multi-story building is doors suddenly opening or closing by themselves as the building's twists or racks disturbingly when the door when the doors close they often don't properly shut but get jammed into the racks openings possibly locking occupants inside no yeah i don't care for this i know at that point you probably have less than 15 seconds to get out and you're jammed in and you're jammed in. Right. So they're saying when you hear the doors slamming, then you get the heck out. Is it possible you're also in a haunted house? I think that is a possibility. <laughs> yeah. At that point, you hope for a collapse because the alternative is that there's a dead, I'm going to call her six-year-old girl yes. with a British accent for sure haunting your house. And she's going to come and either eat you or stab you with stabby knives. She's going to stab you with stabby knives. Ugh. Yeah. Also, her eyes are going to pop out for some reason and then pop oh. back in. I don't know why. Um, if it's collapsing around you, get out by any means necessary. Head towards the light. Head towards the light. What was that? What was the name? Head, head to, what was the name? Poltergeist. I know. I know the movie, but oh. what was she saying? Like, there was a name. Oh, the something of something compels Go you. Go to the light. It was like, what? Caroline. Caroline. Yeah. Thank you. You I probably just saw that movie two nights ago. <laughs> it's on the list. <laughs> I saw it. Um, I saw Poltergeist for the first time uh, this past Halloween. No. First time ever. Yeah. Because I don't like scary movies. And as a kid, I really didn't like scary yes. movies. So I would avoid them at all costs. But I, I figured and I was correct that I could handle this one. Does it hold up? Well, yeah, it's really good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I mean, there's a lot going on. Like a lot yeah. of different elements that you're like, wait, well, who's this woman now? And, um, but anyway, yeah, it's fun. Okay, yeah, it's good. Okay, um, windows are often the most accessible egress points, assuming that they're below three stories. Egress meaning exit. I guess I didn't know what it meant, but sounds like a kind of bird. Like the egret, the egret. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if in a multi-story building, try to make it to a stairwell, which is often specially reinforced. The few survivors of the World Trade Center collapse during the 9-11 attacks were often found inside stairwells. Okay, so they're stronger. Stairwells are stronger. Yes. Otherwise, at least try to get into a hallway where there will be less debris to crush you. The centers of rooms away from the walls are often the most dangerous locations. Mm. As a last resort, shelter under heavy office equipment or furniture... Or at least hug a wall. Okay. If, so never the middle of a room. Yeah. Because I was thinking that would be good, but I guess not. Because more can fall on you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And around you. Surround yeah. you. Um, as a last reason. Okay, I already said that. If the floors tilt as they fall, mm. all of the debris will pile up against one side. So at least this way you may have a shot of not being crushed immediately. As long as you're on the right They're side. They're saying if the... Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, pick a side. Hope you're right. Uh, that's a really good point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I guess if it starts tilting to the right, run to the left. But then you'll just be like, it feels like yeah, you're, you'll just gra- keep falling. You got to have something to grab onto. Yeah, you'll be like on a hamster wheel. If you're being covered by debris, try to keep your arms and hands in front of your face as you fall. As with an avalanche, 
Mm-hmm. This can help create a life-saving air pocket around your head. Oh, right. So afterwards, get out of the building as soon as you can gather your senses. Don't hang out or wait to see what happens next. <laughs> you know, I want to go, but, but I think probably uh, people do that. Right? I want to see what's going to happen next I mean, in this movie of my life. Yeah. Well, before the show started, you admitted to me that you've been watching the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. So you'll stand around and watch anything. <laughs> I mean, you just want a train wreck. I will watch I've, I've a been slow re- movie train wreck. <laughs> I have been reading about it, but I haven't watched. I didn't know there was even video you could well, watch. Just cl- I, listen, I have watched some clips. Yeah. I have not. I have not gone down the entire like rabbit hole of right. watching the entire court TV testimony. Okay. Yet. Yeah. 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 Not yet. No. But I'm restraining myself. No, I get it. I understand. Okay. Small hand tools, gloves, and headlamps can be invaluable to aid in your escape. Keep in mind that broken electrical lines mix poorly with broken water lines. Even more, more so if gas lines are present. You just want to avoid all the lines. Oh, I. I don't want to be in any line. White lines. Yeah. Gas lines. Bread lines. Line, bread lines. Okay, so. Lines on your face. Oh, right. Lines, lines in the mirror, lines on your face. No fan of those. Dropping an eagle lyric. I love it. An eagle. An eagle lyric. <laughs> you know that band, an eagle? An eagle. <laughs> <laughs> this makes the immediate threat of a fire a distinct possibility, and it's the reason smart rescue crews stretch and charge a water hose as soon as they pull up to a structural collapse, even if no fire is visible. Because ah. they're like a fire can break out at any moment. Exactly. I'm out of breath. I'm a little out of breath. I think I had too much coffee. So I apologize for the Maybe you're just listener. so excited by the material. I'm very excited about collapsing buildings. It is exciting. I mean, it's invigorating. Like watching the Amber Heard trial. <laughs> it's invigorating. It gives you life. Oh, there are people with lives more fucked up than ours let's okay all right if you are lightly buried lightly buried just a light a light burial just a light burial try to orient yourself not sure which way is up this fascinated me try to spit and see which way the saliva falls whoa isn't that crazy so simple but so smart if you're trapped inside a void a little bit of water and air can make all the difference which we'll get to later when i tell you a story because if you spit and it just lands on your own face, you're, then you're facing up. You're like, okay. I mean, but if, if you spin, it spin falls, falls okay. gravity, you're facing down. Oh, I would never think to do that. So if you're facing down, maybe punch above your head. Yeah. See if you can get out of there. Helping others. Get yourself out of the building first. Sure. The first step in rescuing others from a collapsed or partially collapsed building is sizing up the structural damage, ideally while locating any surface victims. Surface. So people on the top. People you can see. Yeah. So what they're saying is get out of the place, catch your breath, figure out what you're going to do, then do the following. If there's a rubble pile, climb. this is crazy. Climb on top of it to get a better view and more access to surface victims. While there's a chance of the rubble moving beneath your weight, yeah, thus posing more hazard to entombed victims, entombed. The possible benefit of finding more surface victims usually outweighs that risk. So you're basically picking: Do I want to? Do I want you know survivors who have gotten out of the rubble yeah. at the cost of people in the rubble? They're probably going to survive. So yes, that's the choice you're making. If at all possible, try to make sure the utilities are turned off before entering the building. Uh-oh. I got to figure that and out. There's no <laughs> way I know how to do that. Otherwise, serious risks of fire and or electrocution compound the threat of secondary collapse. Once you've cleared the perimeter of all easily accessible surface victims, <laughs> it may be time to make your way inside or start digging into the pile. Can't the, can't the firefighters do this part? I'm, yes, of course. But are they're they not there. How long is it going to take them to get there? Because I'm starting to feel really out of my depth. Some people feel like they want to be a hero. This is for those people. But uh, what if you had your family in and, and the and the uh, and the emergency first responders hadn't come yet? Obviously, I'm going to dig for my family. You're going to dig for your family. Yeah. You're going to stand on top of pile one a child to look for a child for B child. I don't want to stand on my child's head but no but you don't know that they're uh, under there yeah this is this sounds like an office building where i'm working with a lot of people that i don't even really like and i have a lot of resentments towards bob it did actually say if it's not your family or if they don't owe you a hundred thousand (laughs) dollars it basically said that it said get out first 
But if it's your family, like, we understand if you're going to stay. Okay. That's okay. fair. Yeah. Um. <laughs> they owe you a lot of money. Okay. Glove eye protection. Gloves, eye protection, and steel-toed boots are necessities here. I, you know, unless you're working in an office building where, you, where it's like cosplay of first responders. <laughs> I don't really know how you're going to have those things. Oh, you don't keep those in the trunk of your car? I don't. An N95 respirator. Oh. Okay. It's also nice to have considering the large amount of airborne dust and debris. So that is something we all probably have. Unless you're on an airplane. Focus your efforts on searching the stairwells. Remember okay. that. Mm-hmm. These sheltered locations often provide the most survivable voids for victims. If you can't find the stairwells, focus on searching adjacent, adjacent to any walls that are still standing. These areas are often more prone to harbor survivors. So if there's a wall near the wall. Check the walls. Might be. Check the walls. There might be survivors. What do they do? They burrow. The survivors are going to get naked, naked and burrow and inside the walls. Uh, out and away from the walls in the middle of the rooms is where debris often piles up and crushes anything underneath. Oh. So you're probably not going to have living people under the rubble. This is the time to slow the pace somewhat and think before doing. Do not rush. Do not run. You need to be able to search in a methodical manner. That means shouting out to possible victims and, this is important, being quiet while listening for calls back. Because they might just be like taking a, a, a like a spoon and hitting it on right. a rock. That's right. It's hard to hear while you're running or breathing hard or thinking about what you're going to uh, do next. Anyone who hasn't been found yet is more likely than not buried under something. Otherwise, they would have walked out. That means their voices will be muffled and small. Mm. Small as the hands on that Jeopardy champ. Tiny thumbs. She's won like 12 days in a row. Well, good. I'm going to call her tiny thumbs. She's very impressive. Very impressive. Remember, no matter how bad the collapse looks, keep in mind that there's always a chance of survival. What's the matter, Garen? Are you getting upset about the girl with the tiny hands? (laughs) What's the matter? Just tiny thumbs. Tiny thumbs. <laughs> Makes me laugh. I have tiny. I probably have tiny thumbs. I have tiny. You have nice. My hands are tiny. You have beautiful hands, like a piano player. Oh, they're so ugly. But anyway. what? Um, <laughs> so hard on herself. You need to get Stop like. It. Can you get Botox in your hands? Uh, yes. You can. Yes. People, actresses do it all the time. They do. Yes. I want to do that. No, no, you don't. Well, I once asked a doctor if you could get Botox in your knees. You did not. No, I did. 100%. I also Googled it. And he said no. And that was upsetting because I have wrinkly knees. Not wrinkly. Yeah, wrinkly knees, I guess. Mm -hmm. But like the rest of my legs are okay. Okay. So I'm just going to walk around with like roller skater knee pads. (laughs) Like I'm like I'm. um, uh, How can I forget her name? Oh, my God, Danielle. Like I'm uh, Linda Ronstadt on the cover of uh, my mom's piano book. She's so pretty. My mom had a piano book of Linda Ronstadt songs. And on the cover, as on the album, I'm guessing she's wearing like short shorts and yes. roller skates. And I believe knee pads. Is she wearing those colorful rainbow socks? I th- I think so. I feel like she or is. Or maybe the knee pads. I don't, I'm not sure if she's wearing knee pads. And I think she's wearing a white t-shirt. And she's super. Look up Linda Ronstadt if you don't know who she is. Okay, there's. Oh, I was right. Okay. She's wearing knee pads. The socks are so knee high socks with. Just black stripes. Uh, what do they call those? Crew, not crew socks, but um, they have like black stripes around them. So nothing yeah. that colorful. But she does have uh, tiny, tiny shorts. Do you think maybe she's covering her knees because they were wrinkly? Yep. I think they were prematurely wrinkly. I don't think. Uh, I think knees should be low on the list of things we should worry about. Well, maybe for you. <laughs> they're, they're high on my list. I don't know what to tell you. They're high, but they're getting lower and lower every day. Because they're sad. Um, they're not sucking. They're just, they, they got lines in them. Okay. Um, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> Something about Botox. Okay. Remember, no matter how bad the collapse looks, keep in mind, there's always a chance of survival. At least one World Trade Center survivor literally rode the building down. Oh my God. Something which should have been technically impossible. Victims have survived in voids up to 14 days. Actually, wow. up to 17 days, which is the story I'm going to get to in Stop a second. It. And recent experience at the Haiti earthquake disaster has pushed the limits of survivability longer than anyone had previously thought. Even if you're not a first responder by trade, you may still have the responsibility, Chris, Uh-oh. of one day 
being the first responder by chance. Oh, no. Here's the story. Are you ready? I love stories. This happened in May of 2013. Okay. Um, there was a collapse of a building mm-hmm. in, Dhaka, in Dhaka, which is Bangladesh's capital. Mm-hmm. It was one of those um, garment factories. Probably a really fun place to work for the children. Yeah. Well, I don't know if the children work there, but uh, okay. So anyway, a woman has been pulled alive from the ruins of an eight-story building that collapsed in a suburb of Bangladesh's capital, Dhaka, 17 days ago. Oh, what? Rescuers said the woman named Rejma, I found out later she was 19, was oh. found in the remains of the second floor of the Rana Plaza after they heard her crying, please save me. She has been taken to hospital. Mm-hmm. Not the hospital. That's how they say it. Hospital. But is not thought to have serious injuries. More than a thousand are now confirmed to have died. What? Most of them women working in clothing factories. <sighs> The authorities said 2,437 people had been rescued, of whom about 1,000 had suffered serious injuries. Dozens lost limbs as they were cut free from the wreckage. The accident is one of the deadliest industrial disasters in history. Soldiers were reported to have been preparing to break through a large concrete slab on Friday when the woman was discovered. The worker who first discovered her told the BBC Bengali service, I was cutting iron rods when I suddenly found a silvery stick just moving from a hole. I looked closer and heard someone calling, please save me. I immediately called over soldiers and firefighters. Officers ordered workers operating heavy machinery to stop. Again, they need to hear. Yeah. And rescuers used video and audio detection equipment to locate her exact position. Wow. Crew saw a woman waving her hand and she shouted, I'm still here. (gasps) And told rescuers her name was Reshma. Within minutes, hundreds of soldiers and fighters rushed to the scene to hear, to help clear the rubble. I mean, can you imagine you've been doing this for 17 days? No. And then everyone's probably excited beyond belief. Like, oh my God, we can rescue someone. The woman said that she was not badly hurt and she was given water and biscuits while hand shaws and drilling equipment were brought in to cut through iron rods and debris. Rescuers worked for 40 minutes before finally pulling her up from the rebel amid amid cheers from the crowd. She was taken to an ambulance and then rushed to the nearby combined military hospital for evaluation and treatment. She later told local TV from her hospital bed that she had never dreamt she would see daylight again. So then I looked up what happened to her because I didn't want this to be like, oh, then she died in a coma. So <laughs> so they, they caught up with her. Yeah. And so she's remembering. I heard voices of the rescue workers for several days. Oh, my God. That Can must, you imagine no. how scary? Oh, that's, my God. Is, I mean, that's good that there's people there, but... Uh. Just the the... <sighs> how panicked that would feel to to not be able to reach those voices. I kept hitting the wreckage with sticks and rods to attract their attention. No one heard me, she said. I ate dried food for 15 days. The last two days, I had nothing but water. I'll tell you in a second how she got the food. Um, Whenever I... Okay, so this is... Sorry, so this is when they caught back up with her. Whenever I think of those days, I feel bad and frightened. I forgot most of what I did under the rubble. The teenagers survived by drinking rainwater and food foraged from lunchboxes of other workers after the nine-story workplace collapsed. So bring, so your, she, bring your own food yeah. to, lunch, to work. Yes. Don't go out. To, I mean, I'm pack, joking. I, pack a lunch. So she had enough movement. I guess. I don't she really reach. get it. Yeah, I don't really completely understand. But yeah. maybe there was a, yeah, there must have been enough of a pocket for her to move around and to breathe. Uh, she has now suggests so she has now accepted a job at the luxury Weston Hotel. So she's like, I'm never going back to that industry. The teenager from a remote village in the western border district of uh, Dinaj Parad had begun work in the building 22 days before the collapse. Hmm. She was being paid a monthly salary of sixty dollars. Oh wow! More than three thousand garment workers were on shift at the time of the collapse. Most of them making clothing for Western retailers. Yep, enjoy your H and M, folks. Before the disaster, they had been told to remain at work despite concerns about cracks on the outside mm. of the complex. The industry has since promised to clean up its act. Most major European buyers have signed a new accord, which promises better conditions for workers as well as more frequent fire and building inspections. So I'm going to do a little preaching here. Um, I have in the last couple of years, I guess since COVID started, tried very hard not to buy what they call um, fast fashion, fast fashion, yeah, which is where a lot of these things are made. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I know it's not. It's not easy. It's not easy. And it's yeah. not really within. 
I, I totally get it if you have to because it's cheap. It's very, yes. very affordable. And the places I shop now are not as affordable as the places I was shopping yeah, at. Yeah. But I, you know, I wait for sales and I, mm-hmm. you know, oh, put your stuff in a shopping cart, leave it for a day, and they'll often come up with a 15% discount yeah. for you. Little insider tip. But um, yeah, I try to use, you know, companies that are use ethically sourced material as well mm-hmm. as treat their workers properly. And even though a lot of companies still use overseas workers, they have like deals with small like family run places mm-hmm. or stuff like that. If you can, because yeah. these places are sickening, as you can see by it's, this. It's horrific. Yeah. The abuses that the workers go through in these other countries yeah. so that people can buy their cheap clothes. And I'm all for it. And I think, um, you know, we all are going to do what we can to to try to live ethically in however ways we yeah. can. What what I do um, and this isn't feasible for everyone either, but I buy a lot of my kids' clothes at Goodwill. Yeah, that should be feasible. Why Why would that not be feasible? Well, just for maybe a lot of people don't have time to go to the Goodwill. Oh, like a lot yeah. of people buy shop their online. shop yeah. online for their kids' clothes at Target. Yeah. And the nice thing is even smaller, even companies like I think H&M and Target are starting to do more eco-conscious brands. I think, I don't know how, I mean, it's a lot of work to investigate these things, but yeah. I do think bigger companies are starting to 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 be more well, e- they'll have like a line of ethically they'll have a line but i still don't clothing, know it still might be interesting i don't know if that means that it still might be made in a factory in bangladesh by yeah just yeah, eco yeah, yeah. doesn't mean the human rights right. abuses aren't exactly happening. exactly there's like many many layers yeah. and there's many like lists and i look at these lists all the time of like oh i need to get i don't look at them yeah. for no reason it's like oh i specifically want to get a pair of wedge sandals and then yeah. i just like put in like ethically sourced yes. wedge sandals and I do my best for so. me it's a lot of my clothes I buy on Poshmark because then oh, yeah. then I know that like it doesn't for me it doesn't matter what brand it is because I'm not participating in the new oh because it's it's, it's all used it's all used stuff. it's all used so, so even I'll, if it I got so it I'm like even if it came from Target which I usually I'm not getting it from Target anyway but like it's I'm not part of the I'm not part of the manufacturing cycle yeah it's it's I'm I'm reusing something yeah and then same with the kids clothes if I'm getting it from Goodwill it might be Target it might be H&M it might be Zara that's a really good point but I'm not creating anything new so I don't care what brand it is yeah because I'm like I'm not giving that brand the money and I'm not participating in any new manufacturing so I do think used 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 is always good as well yeah um and then it's it's cheaper and you're not you know, it's eco just in the sense that it's used. Yeah. So that's always an, and, and it's affordable. All right. So that wasn't the funniest uh, thing, collapsing buildings. <laughs> but um, I liked it. I, I like some of the, I like the spitting part, even I, though I think fine spitting disgusting. And I hate when people do it on oh, camera. I hate when people spit and off camera anytime. Well, I don't really see. I just mean like in movies and TV shows, they'll do it a lot as like someone spitting into someone else's face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to ever, ever, ever see that. No. Oh my God, we were watching Fargo. Oliver and I were watching Fargo last night and this guy's like bleeding out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But then the character had spilled milk and then the blood was mixing with the milk. And I was like, Ugh. and Oliver was like, is it the milk? And I'm like, yes, <coughs> it's the milk. It's the milk with the blood. <laughs> the <laughs> milk. <laughs> the milk. But even milk you. on its own will probably make me barf. Anyway. You really don't like milk. No, but it was the milk with the blood. It was really disgusting. That is disgusting. And Ewan McGregor plays himself and his, oh, yes. he plays two parts. I remember so, that. I remember that season. Oh, you do? Yeah. So Oliver calls him Tewan McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's really funny. Yeah, that's a good, good. We will be right back with our guest after this. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. Welcome back to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Christine. We're back. How was your break? Uh, Uneventful. I looked into a few trials going on. Yeah. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is what I was looking at. Is that what you were looking at? Yeah. 
Or is she still on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing? I mean, I'm interested. <laughs> I it's there's a lot of it's all it's a train intriguing. wreck. Yes. It's uh uh crazy he said versus crazy she said. And then on the other one it's just sort of a crazy she said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's hey. bring in our guest. We're so excited to have Casey St. Anshier. She is the producer and well, are you the producer, but you're definitely the co host. Yeah, I'm both. That's so exciting. Uh, that's that's if like if we let you talk, Aaron, you would be <laughs> both. We sometimes let him talk. Of uh, Busy Phillips is doing her best, which is a fantastic podcast. Thank Very you. funny. Which sort of spun off from her talk show, right? Yeah, kind of. Which I was the showrunner right. of her talk show, and uh, we had always wanted to incorporate some type of like talk back with the team okay. on the talk show, but that was it was just impossible to accomplish in terms of like technically it was impossible, and oh. also in terms of just like the network being impatient and salty all the time oh. about everything we wanted to do. Mm, so anyway, sucks. so this is like a, a fun thing for us because... Well, it's up. I mean, obviously, we've learned that podcasts are very freeing. You get to just do whatever the heck you want. And just and and we produce it independently. So we're like, what are we going to fire us? Like whenever we're like, <laughs> right. oh, the podcast is going to be an hour late. And then we're like, we're going to be in big trouble with us. <laughs> um, and then you punish yourselves. Yeah, I you mean, withhold your own lacroix. We, <laughs> we do punish ourselves regularly anyway. Sure. So I figure, you know, yeah. just it's a given. Yeah. And how long have you been doing the podcast? The podcast has been going on, gosh, just uh, like a year and a half now, maybe. Oh, well, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're, we're brand spanking new too. Yes. So congratulations! We're in our honeymoon phase. I we hope are. you're enjoying it. We really are. It's, it's really, really fun. fun. Well, you have the great Garen here. So Garen, who is a lovely producer, and sometimes he is on air. He just refuses to get up to the mic when, like a reluctant DJ, he refuses to get up to the mic. I'm just trying to let you guys. Rule I think the I. Roost. You know what, Garen is. Garen is doing what we are constantly asking men to do. Take a step to back. Just take a step back yeah. and let women do their thing. That's and true. And then, uh, if we need you, you'll jump in, right? That's how it should be. That's yeah. exactly Thank what you, it Garen. is. And he has Thank our you. back. Yeah, he totally does. He's ideal, right? And also, he does the technical stuff, which is also a guy thing. <laughs> <laughs> From the people who don't know that there's a gas tank arrow and how to get out of an elevator. It's true. We were saying it before we got on the air. Yeah, yeah. Well, now we know all the. Garen seemed to know all these things. Yeah. About or, or did I just pretend? Oh, oh maybe. maybe that's true. I think men do that a lot. I think yeah. they yeah. confidently. Yes. Pretend yes. that they know how to do things, but it works. Fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. On the first <gasps> half of the show, we talked about. How to survive collapsed buildings, and now we're going to talk about, among other things, how to survive collapsed veins. Yes, but you tell the story as it unfolded. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to you when we were talking about what we were going to talk about, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, have I ever really survived it?" I mean, you know, survived something. I've survived things, obviously, yeah. but but um, I think like the wildest ordeal that I've ever probably been through myself personally for me is giving birth to my older son Eli who's about to turn 23 years old so oh that's my goodness. nuts to me wow. but um but it was just one of those situations where he was like you know I didn't have gestational diabetes but they were constantly checking to see mm -hmm. if I did okay. so I'm assuming I was like borderline and they were kept saying like this baby's really big etc cetera, okay. etc cetera, you know okay and um and I was like okay that that this is all fine. I'm still, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it now. Like right. eight and a half months in, what am I right. going to be like? Oh, for, I cancel. I cancel my order. Right. Um, <laughs> you can't do that. So. You can't leave it in the cart and then no, decide. No, no, you can't no, wait no. for them to hit you back with a 15% off reduction. your baby. Yeah, yeah reduction in, in baby size. Yeah. So, um, so. I was, you know, that thing at the end of, or maybe it wasn't like this, but I, in, when I was going to my, um, OBGYN practice in 
New York City, um, there's a number of doctors in the practice. And toward the end of your pregnancy, you see a different doctor every time instead of just seeing your doctor. And the logic, I guess, is that you could go into labor at any time when any of them is on duty. And so they want you to To be familiar. To be familiar with everyone. Yeah, that's the, uh, I mean, what happened with me is that I had the same doctor every appointment. And then when it came the day it was a completely different doctor See, who I had never met before. You probably wish yeah. you had at yeah. least met. Well, what I learned is that like those five different doctors had five very different opinions oh. of like what should be happening. Mm-hmm. And so I went to one doctor who was my doctor, then the next week saying like this is a big baby. <laughs> and then the next doctor another week was like, This is a big baby, but you know, you're thirty seven weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then the next doctor being like, if you don't have this baby by next week, like we're gonna have to go in and oh, you know wow. kick start oh, something. My God, that must have made you crazy. So it did make me crazy. And then the doctor the next week was like, oh, no, you're like, it's your first pregnancy. You're due like today. It's fine. Yeah. Go a couple more days. You'll go into labor. And then I went the next week. And finally, that doctor was like, why do you still have this baby? He was giant one month ago. Go to the hospital right now. And I was like. Okay, I'm just gonna go home and like get my bag and stuff. And they were like, "No, go to the hospital this second. The hospital's waiting for you." And so we're gonna induce labor. And I was like, "Okay." So I went to the hospital immediately. My husband was wearing like shorts and sandals. (laughs) It was summer, (laughs) and it was freezing cold in the hospital. So he like went to like a friend's house who lived close by yeah. and borrowed pants and uh-huh. socks and shoes. You don't want to welcome a new member of the family in shorts, shorts and sandals. sandals. Way too no. casual. Way, Way too, casual. too casual for the occasion. Yeah. So they they induced labor and they did all these really gross things that maybe, Garen, you're not familiar with, but they did the stripping of the membranes. I don't mm-hmm. know if you had... I didn't have to do that, do you but know I've heard what? of it. No. Yeah. It's just like, um, to describe it, is just like um, a doctor puts on a glove, reaches up into your guts and just like grabs and everything and twists oh it around God. and tries to like pull it all out. I feel like holy to, shit! I did know, not know this to okay. aggravate the baby oh, into okay. coming out. I feel like. Or are you wh- at this point on any kind of pain medication? No, I wasn't, and so I was on the like the drip of pitocin, I guess. Yes, which is to like kick which I've start. also heard is really intense. I, yeah, yeah, I did it too, and it's yeah. fucking intense. I was also sorry to interrupt. No, I was also um, induced, but because I was ten days late. So it was scheduled. It was a scheduled induction. It wasn't like, get the heck over there. Yeah. So, so I was on that Pitocin drip. I also had the super annoying habit, which this is also applies to plane turbulence. But every time I had a um, contraction or someone else in the hospital had a contraction or like a yelling because they were pushing, I would crack up laughing out of nervousness, which I also do when it feels like a plane is going to crash and everyone in the plane is like, are you fucking serious? Are you laughing right now? And I'm like, I wish I wasn't, but yes. Is it a maniacal laugh like you may have caused the plane to crash? It's just very nervous laughter. So I was like between myself and other people having contractions and moaning and other people oh pushing God. and screaming in this like teaching hospital in New York City. <laughs> I was dying of laughter and that's amazing. Pretty sure the whole floor must have hated me. And then just laughing at their pain. Just laughing <laughs> out of like nervousness. Yes. I'm like it's not f- I'm laughing with you, right. but you're yes. just not laughing. You should try laughing. <laughs> um so yeah, so I that went on for like 17 hours, I think. Oh my and God. And then finally a doctor who wasn't my doctor just came in and was like this isn't happening like it's not this baby's not coming out so I think we have to start thinking about a Mm c-section so you were having contractions or you weren't having I was yeah so but for some reason even though you had the pitocin which induces labor and you were having contractions he just didn't want to budge. He just didn't want to budge. He was just, which makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> he was very comfortable. Yeah, he was comfortable. Is he, and is he, as I say of my son, 
prone to stillness. <laughs> he's prone to stillness. Uh-huh. He's like a cozy homebody. Yeah. yeah. So he just um, wasn't coming out. And so this doctor was like, I got to get to the theater. I have play tickets. Oh. So I, <laughs> I just, I made up this story in my mind because she was dressed very nicely. And she was like, we got to get this show on the road. Yes. So, um, so then after all the planning that you do to like push a baby out yeah. and like we had hired a doula and we were like, doula, you can go home. This is pushing oh wow yeah i don't i don't think we actually ever even called her into the hospital because it the time never yeah. arose um so i went in to have this you know then you once they tell you you're having a c-section then you still wait hours for them to oh, like really? get a free like operating room oh, and okay. whatever whatever um so and then i did get I did get um, a, uh, what is that, like a spinal? An epidural. Yeah, yeah an epidural. Because they have to do that anyway. Kate, I remember they, they that's how they snuck an epidural in me because they were like, well, we might have to do a C-section. Right. So we at least have to put the thing in. Uh, and I was, like, uh, I was like, okay. And then they were like, let's just test the medicine in case they, you have a reaction. Because I, I was like, I don't want to do an epidural. I was, right. I was this whole, like, I'm not going to do an epidural. And then, they, and then I was like, oh. I am doing an epidural. This is amazing. <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they kind of they kind of they, they kind of tricked me. Yeah, the first That's weird because some free. people really 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 don't want medicine. So that's kind yeah. of weird yeah. that they would do that. Yeah. Well, this is when I learned that like what you want and what everyone else wants are two different things yep. and you have to be really You have to be a te- you have to be they're like we're going to get what we want and also when you're in that much pain and like you're that weak for me, they're anyway, the experts. I was and like, telling yeah. you, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really hard to because even Sven was like, my husband was like, remember what they said, and I was just like, never mind. Like, <laughs> right? I do think it's a difficult position to be in. Yes, yeah. and people are telling you, you know, you're saying like, oh, I want, I wanted to do it this way, and so many people who are like experts and it's their profession are like, yes, but it's not going to work that way. Right. So now we have yeah. to be. You can't flexible be married to and, the. Yeah, and you just don't know like whether it's a matter of like convenience for them. Like I was saying, like I think she just wants to get to her, yeah. her Broadway show. Um, but so anyway, so I got that epidural and then um, finally went in to get the C-section and uh, these are just details. These are just filling in some of the details. My husband. We want all the details. Yes. All my husband, details. they put him in scrubs and then he was like, uh, I guess got like a distant look in his eye and this nurse was like, are oh, you no. all right, sir? And he was like, um, yeah, I just think I'm feeling like a little dizzy because I haven't eaten. And um, she was like, somebody get him a bagel, get it in him and you decide if you're okay in like two minutes because this is happening and we can't have you in there passing oh, out. Oh my God. Wow. Not about you. And he was like, okay. I was going to say, it's so funny <laughs> that like you can't eat, you're having surgery, yeah. you're in pain and... I didn't. I forgot to eat because <laughs> only only fucking men forget to eat. Yes, and then that it becomes an issue. Yeah. Well, I mean, in his defense, he had been like hanging out for the full seventeen hours and probably oh, wasn't eating okay. out of sympathy for me. Yes. But also, it is funny that when like the the rubber hit the road, he was like, "I'm gonna black out," and yes. his nurse was like, "Oh no, you're not." <laughs> and she was like, basically telling him like, "You have the power to not do this, so don't do it." Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. And he was like, "Okay, okay, agreed." And then so I got wheeled into the operating room, and you know, you've seen it like they have the curtain yeah. there, and then they, you know, your husband is up by your head behind the curtain and also the anesthesiologist right. is there and I remember the anesthesiologist was so nice and I remember telling him I feel like I'm gonna throw up and he was mm-hmm. like everyone always says that but it just feels like that you're not gonna okay. you're not gonna throw up and then I fully threw up oh on his my shoes. god and he was like hey you did it <laughs> <laughs> you really said you were gonna do it and then you really oh did my it god. Were like, I commit yeah exactly <laughs> good for him for having for being so yeah he positive a about very it. good sense of humor I'm I mean I'd imagine that they get splashed with yeah all kinds of things oh, in those man. rooms so then they did the c-section which um you know it surprising thing if you've never had it it only takes like a second like they only you know just cut you open really yeah and then get the baby out don't they have to i'm sorry but don't they have to take out like your organs first or something i mean my husband did go to see them like take the baby out which i was surprised by like he went around the curtain and um when he came back he was like i saw 
everything in there and i was like can we not like right not it like not right now i just threw up on my anesthesiologist but i think they do kind of like i don't know i didn't see it but they must have to like move things around i think they like you know kind of um but i don't know if they like take things out and (laughs) Like well, set it, set them set on you, on and then chest. put them. Yeah, I might yeah. be thinking of an autopsy. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> it's probably not entirely different. Very similar procedures. I did feel like in in the ensuing years, I have felt like it. Whatever it is, is like IKEA packaging. Like once you take it out, you're never getting it back in all right. the same way that it no, was. No. So I'm sure they did move some things. But anyway, baby was out, and then. I just remember them saying like, oh, she's really boggy. She's really boggy. And I was like, what does boggy mean? Yeah. I just remember I kept saying, yes, what does boggy yeah. mean? What does boggy mean? And then finally the anesthesiologist, the nice anesthesiologist was like, you're just bleeding a little bit more than normal. Oh. So they're just trying to stop that. It's okay. Just relax. And I was like, okay, this is very scary. And yes, thank God yes. this man is here. Oh. But then um, they closed everything up and I went to recover and um, went to sleep, I guess. That makes sense, right? To yeah. go to yes. sleep after yeah. they cut you open. Did you get to hold the baby? I think I got to hold him. Yes, my younger son I didn't get to hold because oh. he went like right to NICU or whatever because because he had pooped in my tummy. Mm. Um, and so that's a rush to NICU situation. Yeah. Disgusting. Wait, why is it a rush to NICU for him? It should be a rush for you. No, because uh, the, when the baby poops inside the womb it it, they breathe it in <gasps> so they have to oh yeah, my yeah. god I think it's called meconium, meconium. yeah oh I've yeah. heard of meconium but yeah. I didn't know that's what it was okay yeah so anyway so with him I got to hold him briefly but I was like just knocked out by the time and had like lost blood and woke up later like in my room which god bless my husband he had been like um went to the hospital and was like She's had a really rough go. Is there any way to put her in a private room that's uh-huh. just her? Because this is like, this has been rough and yeah. it's been a long, a long delivery. And they were like, oh, yeah, we happen to have a private room. I mean, a private room in a New York City. It was a very <laughs> gritty hospital. Okay. That's what I'll say. Like, it was like, we called it do it yourself hospital because uh-huh. every time we'd just be like, can anyone help us? We had to go uh-huh. buy our own diapers because our baby was too big. Are you for kidding? The newborn diapers. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. He was really big and he was like, um, 10 pounds, nine Whoa. ounces. Wow. I think. Yeah. So a big Holy guy, cow. really big hands and really big feet. And uh, oh that's just like, amazing. Took up the whole bassinet. Oh my god, that's so. Wait, and how late was he? Only a few days. He or? was only a few days late. Yeah, he was just so a big. I think guy. he was due on the twentieth, and he was born on the twenty third. Okay. So, um, yeah. So then, just you know, they're going to keep you for whatever twenty four hours because you had a C section, and that's like okay. a luxurious amount of time yeah, for right. anyone who's had a baby. And then that's when like the trouble started. Like I spiked a fever like pretty oh, no. immediately uh-huh. and they were like that's you know that's normal okay. you know and um and I just kept having this like climbing fever and it was really hot summer and the AC was broken in the hospital oh my so god I kept being like what the maybe hell? it's just that it's like hot whatever you know was this, um may, may, can I just ask was this may, perhaps like a cosplay thing where they wanted you to see like what it was like to have give birth in the olden days maybe it could have been like we're gonna not have any diapers we don't have diapers that doesn't exist then we're no air conditioning no artificial renaissance fair yeah like a lamb chop over your baby terrible so yeah so just the conditions you know it was new york city though it was new york city in 1999 was it 1999? I think so. Um, and, uh, you know, like all air conditioning in New York City struggles yes. in a heat wave. Right. And, and so um, so it was pretty normal feeling for for me. <laughs> and plus, I was like delirious with fever. So I was like, well, uh. but um, so anyway, yeah. So come to find out I had some infection like you know and we were just trying to determine like what the extent of the infection was and how bad it was and so 
I kept having this fever. And so finally they were oh like, we're going to, we're going to try to put you on some IV antibiotics to like, uh, to knock out this infection and get your fever down. And I was okay. like, okay, that seems fine. And so they had an IV nurse, a very stern IV nurse come in to give me an IV mm-hmm. and she was just, uh, you know, trying and trying and was like, this isn't working. I'm not getting, I'm not able to get a vein. And so, um, yeah. And so, and she was like pissed about it. And I was like, I'm sorry about that. It's painful too. If they can't find a vein right away for an IV, that's that's a painful experience. And so so, I've heard this before about not being able to find a vein. What does that mean? Like they literally can't, like they can't see it through like your skin or they can't even feel it or I think they're not where that, they're supposed to be. <laughs> I think it probably is like a combination of a lot of things. Like when you're you can pro- I was probably like retaining water right, after been pregnant, like having, right? yeah, and, and having a baby. I think sometimes when um, I've heard this, I don't know, medical professionals, let me know. But I've heard sometimes in uh, that people have very rolly veins mm-hmm. and it's hard to just I just heard that too. It's like they run away. I just heard that from, I just had an IV recently because I just had surgery on my knee and the nurse was explaining to me. She was like, oh, I'm so happy I found the vein on the first time. And I was like, me too. She's Uh, like, I don't have a good track record. Right, right. She said a lot of the times, because mine was right here, you can still see the mark, that the the veins will almost like jump. Jesus. They jump and they like split away and they like hide from the the, the needle. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting. They're like little rubber hoses and they sort of like collect and flex yeah and yeah so it's crazy and i guess depending on i don't know depending on probably again many things like your blood pressure and if you're and having an infection maybe that makes it even more difficult yeah who knows who knows so anyway she eventually got this um iv in my arm in like an awkward place and so she was like you just have to sit here like awkwardly <sighs> and i remember i was sitting up and then i was like I kept saying, like, I can taste the medicine in my mouth. And they oh. were like, and she was like, that's impossible. And then I just remember this nurse being like, it's totally possible. And other people have said that before. Oh, I don't know why yes. she would say, but I was like, it tastes really gross. So I just remember like eating popsicles or whatever, um, just having a fever, sitting awkwardly eating popsicles. <sighs> and then, but then eventually, because like, I guess I'm just difficult this way. Like it, like that IV failed because it was like in a, so this lady had to come back and give me another IV in another spot. And so it just kept being like the amount of time I needed to be on these antibiotics, like these IVs kept failing and you know, like the vein would, I don't know, maybe tear or whatever. (gasps) You have delicate veins. Maybe. Yeah. And so this nurse was finally like, I can't keep, I don't like I just can't deal with this woman in her veins. So they were like <laughs> so difficult. <laughs> yeah. And she just was kind of like like declining to try. She was like, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so they were like um, the hospital. I don't even know. Like the charge nurse from the floor was like, we have someone who's going to come in and like take care of you. Are you kind of like, why didn't you bring that person? In? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, it was like this woman's job just to put IVs in people. And I'm sure she was great at it. And I'm sure I was like a challenging case, which probably happens. Right. So anyway, they bring in this man and he's like obviously a doctor. Oh, and he's like a little older man and he was like hey I'm the hospital's um, pediatric anesthesiologist is my job to put uh, anesthesia in very very tiny veins and they're telling me that you're having such a hard time and he was like so I'm gonna put your medicine in and I was like okay and he was so sweet of course obviously because he was a pediatric anesthesiologist so he started in all of the places and he was having a hard time with my arms a hard time with my hands And then he was like, and so apologetic the whole time. And I was like, that's at least like a nice change of pace over getting like chastised for having some veins. (laughs) And so then he was like, okay, this is going to be weird, but you know what I'm going to do? He was like, I see like a big fat vein in your ankle. I'm going to put it in your ankle. Would you be okay with that? If we put a long tube down to your leg. And I was like, yes, whatever you need to do. And so he started on one ankle. It didn't work. He tried on the other ankle. It didn't work. I know. And then he was like, then he cried and he was like, I'm so sorry. No, No, he cried. (laughs) Yes. He was like, it's my job to make you feel better. And I'm making you feel worse. And I'm hurting you. 
you. And I was like, don't cry. Oh my I'm God. like comforting this little old man doctor, this little tiny man. And I was like, please, I appreciate all you're trying to do. And he was like, I'm gonna, I just need to take a break for a few <gasps> oh, minutes. And then I'm gonna come right back and we're gonna get this. And I was like, okay, oh whatever you need me to do. And I was just like, so we were doing all the tricks, all of the like, you know, trying to yes. get your blood pumping to like a certain oh. place, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So he finally like and meanwhile, I have like a fucking fever and uh, yeah. And so he takes a little break. He comes back and he's like, we're (laughs) going to do this. Let's go. And so we finally get this IV like in my in the inside of my ankle, like this vein on the inside of my ankle. So gross. And he's like, "Okay, great. This will hold us for a while. And so, yes. So that held for a while. And then eventually, like everything else, it failed like in the middle of the night. And I was just Mm. like, oh, my God. And so there was. Is this the veins collapsing? Yeah. They're just like, you know, I guess like when you have an IV, if you have it for a really long time, probably like from moving around or whatever, or just like something rushing in from another place, I think like it probably just starts to leak or whatever and, and isn't doing or like blood flows back into the. Who knows? I wasn't Holy even asking. Ghost. But, um, well, yeah. I mean, you weren't in your right mind to yes. be like asking the questions. We, yes, yeah. yes. And so, uh, I think this started to fail and I was still feverish and feeling bad. And then, um, I just remember talking to my husband and my mom like very late at night and, I could see their faces like I thought I was just talking to them and I could see their faces like what's wrong with her and I guess I was saying like nonsense and so oh that's so scary it was so scary and so um I guess I was I was saying like I don't know I was talking about orchids or something when they were just talking about like whatever and it really scared my husband so he ran to the desk and he was like something's wrong with my wife and so Nurse comes in, brings the IV nurse that's on duty that's still the stern lady. And she was like, what now? Yeah. She was just like, well, I'm going off duty. But what I think we're going to have to do is something called like a cut down, (gasps) which means that they cut into your neck and put. uh, Come on. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember just being like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. And my husband being like, they say they have to do that and you know and I was like I really don't want that and I got like hysterical and emotional and um the the IV nurse was like I'm gonna go call your doctor because they have to like you know okay all this yeah like is this gonna be okay and um the nurse that was on duty that night was she was such a nice lady and I was just like I'm begging you. I will do anything. I will sit up and swallow 100 pills instead of getting another IV. I'll just like however many pills. Right. That's what I was wondering. Mm -hmm. Can you just take antibiotics? Yes. And she was like, it would be a lot of pills. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll I'll swallow 200 pills. I'll sit up with you all night. And she was like, (sighs) so (laughs) she went and then she was you know, I guess she was gonna help the IV nurse, like contact my doctor and talk about the IV nurse's plan or whatever. And then I don't know what happened. I'm guessing that she must have like either advocated for not doing that or whatever, but she came back and she was like, okay, here we go. We got a bunch of pills we have to take. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, can I just like, no, no more needles, no more. And I was like, I just know my body. And I actually think that getting stuck by a bunch of things is making me worse. And I just feel like, you know, and she was like, yes. And then she was really sad too. And she was like, I just, I had to do, I have to try this because you remind me of my daughter and I was feeling so sad for you and like just, you know. I love that you still had that wisdom to advocate for yourself. I know. And that you weren't just like talking about orchids. (laughs) (laughs) Could you just feed me a hundred orchids? I need as many orchids as I need. So anyway, so she came in with a whole tray of pills and was like, these are big pills and there's (gasps) a lot of them and there's a lot to take. And, um, you know, so I just took all of these pills like equivalent to what would have been in an IV wow just one at a time and I remember her being like let's you know we'll do it slow it's gonna probably upset your stomach whatever but then she was like but here's the good news you can now sleep for 
eight hours, that's when I'll come back with another tray of pills. Oh. And um, and nobody's going to come in and okay. stick you with any needles or try to, you know, nobody even needs to check on you. Right. You can just sleep for eight hours. And so I took all those pills and she was like, I'll see you in eight <laughs> hours with the next tray. So yeah. get ready. I'm sorry. I'm just picturing that now your baby is like a five-year-old because <laughs> he's so big and he oh, just keeps I growing mean, by the hour. Yeah. D- also, what I'm not... And you haven't p- seen him. Well, what I'm not pointing out is that he was in his little bassinet in the room the entire oh, time. Yeah. And this is stretching out to eight days that I oh was Oh my in God. What? Yeah. Yeah. So he was there so the whole... Like, outgrown the yes and like thank god that my husband had had the foresight to like get that private room for me because i would have been like oh man so anyway i went to sleep i took that big tray of pills i went to sleep i woke up the next morning and i was like i don't have a fever i can tell i can feel it Uh i don't have a fever and so the nurse came in and i was like i think I don't have a fever she took my temperature she was like your temperature is like 98 degrees that's amazing okay and she was like you were right you you called it you said if everybody would just leave you alone and wow. stop sticking things in you for you eight get hours yeah. you get better and she was like oh I'm so glad what a relief and like yeah. this wacky yes. plan oh. paid off thank god so I still had to take like another tray of antibiotics yes. obviously um and stay in the hospital further until I could get like you know uh examined and and all that but I felt well enough for the first time like I felt like lucid and um my husband and my mom who had been with me in the hospital pretty much the whole time they thought that I looked good enough that my husband was like I'm gonna go get clothes and like take a shower and my mom was like I'm gonna go get an egg sandwich because I haven't eaten in (laughs) days and I was like great and it was truly like the first time that I was left alone with the baby and where I was like you know and I was like I too am going to take the first shower of eight days and get into like fresh pajamas that my husband had brought for me or that were like in my bag whatever and so um I just felt I've never felt (sighs) better I've never had a shower that felt better took a shower uh dried my hair put on like a little makeup put on fresh pajamas and then I was like and now I'm going to change the baby's diaper for the first time by myself and then um he was like head to toe in this bassinet, <laughs> like just limbs like hanging out over. And I took off his diaper. <laughs> I took off his diaper and um, picked up his legs like you do. And he projectile oh, no. fired shit all over no. my face, no. into my clean hair, all down the front. Oh, but no. I was laughing so hard that I was like, I'm gonna black out. Like I had to like oh, no. put him down, leave him covered in shit. <laughs> And like lay lay down and like call a nurse and be like, I'm worried that I'm like ripping open my whole thing. And she was like, oh, oh, right. Because you're laughing and you've got a C-section scar. We were just all me and him and the room all covered in shit. The biggest shit I've ever seen. He was like, hey, mama. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the back to the world. Welcome back. I've been waiting for you. Oh, my God. That's amazing. But I was just like, well, I. I felt so good for a few minutes, yeah. but it, at least I thought it was funny. And oh, I didn't yes. like it could have. You didn't pass out. I could have really just pushed him out into the hallway <laughs> and like what, whatever, yeah. whoever. Yeah. Baby for sale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so I re-cleaned myself and then, yeah. And then I got to go home like oh. a couple days later after taking like a thousand antibiotic pills. Oh my wow. God. That's insane but yeah so that's the whole story of like i don't know if that's like a how-to guide to survive anything not really well you seem to keep a pretty good attitude about it and also you survived because like chris said you advocated for yourself in this really precarious time where i mean i was thinking can you just take antibiotics by mouth and then i was like oh that's ridiculous of course you can't do that but then you you thought that actually at the time and you could that story is crazy incredible <laughs> yeah. i'm so glad you were okay i'm so glad you're 
kids yeah, were okay. Me too. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. It was oh my a great gosh, story. Thank you for having me. Oh my god, it was so not to great. scare anyone. I mean, th- I think a lot of things have changed since then. And again, like I said, it's just it is what happened. And yeah. and like everybody was doing their best to take care of me, like doing yes. their best, yeah, at, yeah, like, yeah, doing their job. And you know, sometimes it just goes a little sideways. But um, and everyone has different delivery stories. I mean, there, yeah. there's a different story for each person that you know it's all bananas yeah yeah i mean my girl was born with a penis you know what are you gonna do so things happen i was told i was having a girl really oh my gosh yeah that's so you know that's wild yeah it happens i know i know it happens it like i've but you always every time you hear it happens you're like oh that's so you know it happens a lot of times, but when it happens to you, yeah. suddenly yeah. you're like... It was very on brand for that to happen to me, honestly. <laughs> it, it made a lot of sense. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so, so much. Thank you. And we will be right back with what we learned today. <gasps> Bye. All right. Now it is time, Christine, for what did we learn today? I'm I'm excited. We're advocating for a Kiss a Straight Girl Day, gays only. Please. When in a building, watch for cracks, listen for groans. Maybe ghost-related, but more likely the building is about to collapse around you. Both are scary. Yeah. A very American scandal, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard story coming soon. Oh, you know they're going to make that into a miniseries. Oh, my God. Who are they going to get to play? Oh, you said that she used to go out with a woman who looked like Johnny Depp. So we'll get her to play Johnny Johnny Depp. Depp. Yeah. Yeah. She can play herself. She might have to play herself. (laughs) I don't know what else she's doing. Or they get uh, the Australian actress to play her who looks exactly Margot Robbie. There's three three Margot Robbies right now. Yeah. So get one of those. Lightly buried? Try spitting. Mm, I'd prefer to stay buried. I know. Be quiet and listen for other trapped survivors. Prematurely wrinkly knees is an epidemic that Daniela Linda Ronstadt will not stand for. (laughs) And by the way, on me, it's, it's, uh, it's not really premature. I mean, it was when it started, probably. It's no longer premature. Um, During C-section, your organs are usually just moved aside so that the doctor can see your uterus better. I'm going to throw up. But the organs stay stay within the abdominal cavity and aren't taken out. In rare cases, the intestines may be temporarily lifted out for better visualization and space to operate, but not permanently. Wow, that's intense. Garen had to type that. I'm surprised he didn't faint just while typing it. Well, you know what? It's been a crazy day. It has been insane. We have been insane. through an emotional roller coaster. You know what? I think I'm yeah. going to need a cocktail later. I think it's a good day for a cocktail. Oh, what do you, What's your cocktail of choice? You know what? You I'll, like a Moscow Mule, I'll, right? I like a Moscow Mule. I do like a margarita. Ooh, I haven't had a margarita in so long. You know what? I'm going to tell you something right now. Yeah. They have these canned margaritas. Yeah. They're good. Really? Yeah. I just get the can, put it over some ice, squeeze in a little lime. I put the salt around my glass. Delicious. I got to wash my salt now because of the goddamn ear thing. But other than that, yeah, I can do it. Um, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so margarita can. You don't have to add anything. Just margarita and yeah, can. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to put the brand in the show notes so everyone can. I they're love not a sponsor. It. They should be. I can't remember the name of the of the can brand right sure. now, but in the show notes, it'll be there if you click on those show notes. And I like a mojito. Oh, do you make your own mojito? No, never have. I you just have get it out. Time. Yeah, when I'm out. But what if I'll you're home? Mojito. If you're home, do you like? I just have a, have a yeah. I just have uh, like whiskey and diet coke. Look at you with with lime. If I have it, if I'm fancy, you always got to have lime. I know, but I don't always have the lime. Oh man! But yeah, oh, yeah, you got to kind of add that. I love it. Yeah, simple. I'd drink to that. Okay. Thanks, everybody. And remember, until next time, remain remain calm. calm.